So um, we're joined this week um, by uh, the wonderful Anthony O'Shaughnessy. I have said that right, haven't I? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, because, well, I've got, interestingly, my surname is not as difficult as to pronounce. Uh, mine's only Pattinson, which you'd think it'd be quite easy to get right, but yeah. I have so many issues with uh, Post and uh, you name it. It all, all comes through wrong. I'm sure you've probably had, uh, had similar circumstances. God, I've had all kinds, especially, um, particularly when I was in school, actually, I didn't learn how to spell my name until I was 12 or something like that, and even then, apparently, we were spelling it wrong the whole time, my mum was spelling it O'Shaughnessy, instead of O'Shaughnessy, um, so, so yeah, it's just one of those awkward names, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you've you've sort of made made the news a bit recently, haven't you? That, that's, that must have, has that taken you a bit by surprise? Definitely, yes. Um, to be honest, I, I, I've struggled to get my head around it, really. Um, it was last, uh, well, I think it was about a week ago now since it all happened, um, it was a, a tweet that I put on Twitter without really sort of thinking about it. And um, I went to bed, I think I just put it on before I went to bed, um, and I just mentioned some dishes that I'd made for my neighbour next door um, for dinner. And uh, I woke up the next day and then it was my phone was just full of all these notifications and I thought, oh God, have I said something? I thought I might have said something really controversial or something because, you know, that can happen um, on Twitter. And um, I had a look and it was about the tweet I'd made about my neighbour and I, thought, I couldn't sort of figure out what was wrong. I thought something, had, you know, I might have said something bad or something like that. Um, and uh, people were just like, oh, I think that's a really wonderful thing. Um, I'm inspired to do the same. And then as the day went on, it just got sort of, I don't want to say worse, but like it just seemed to sort of spread. And um, I was getting messages from people in America and like Australia, and it just went like wildfire. It was really quite hard to get my head around it. Um, and uh, I had to sort of tell my neighbour about it as well, because I thought, well, you might get back to him, you know. So um, he's quite elderly as well. He's in his uh, late 70s. So I thought, how do you explain something like that to an elderly gentleman, you know? Um, and obviously, I couldn't use the word viral because that's not a very good word right now. So, uh, so yeah, so I just explained and said, oh, I, I happened to mention on Twitter that I was uh, sharing my meals with you, and um, a lot of people thought it was a nice thing. Um, and, you know, you might sort of hear about it, you know. So, um, yeah, and the day after that, it was on national news and stuff. I was being interviewed on uh, BBC News on the news cycle, uh, ITV News, and then I did an interview for. Um, uh, the Today Show, which is in the US, which is like, couldn't get my head around the fact that it had gone over there. But um, but yeah, a lot of people resonated with it over there. A lot of them felt inspired to cook for their neighbours. Um, yeah, so it was just a, a really nice thing, actually. I'm quite, I'm surprised, but it's, you know, quite happy it's happened. You know, it's uh, obviously had a good effect on people. Yeah, it's been, it's been certainly one of the, the feel-good stories that we've, we've heard over the last couple of weeks. What, what made yeah. you, it's, I mean, Without it sounding like a daft question, because it, it's a great thing to do, but what made you decide to do it in the first place? Well, it was originally, it was when the lockdown was announced, so it's, I think it's about five weeks ago, is it six weeks now since, since lockdown? But it was when that started, when it was first announced on the Monday, um, and uh, we, we knew our, our neighbour next door, he's had some health problems over the years, and we thought, well, if we can't leave the house, you know, you might struggle to get shopping, so we called him on a phone number, we've got a number for emergencies, uh, so we called him and asked if he needed anything, you know, shopping-wise, and he said that he had ordered some things online, uh, from a supermarket to, to get delivered but uh, they'd cancelled his order twice and then when he'd actually received it only half of the stuff he'd ordered was there so 
um, and, and we just made a roast the day before. We said, "Oh, we've got some leftovers that we're going to have tonight. You know, we can just plate you some up. It's it's nothing to us, you know." So um, I basically put the things on a on a plate, put them on a tray, um, and I warmed them up so they're nice and hot and heated through. Uh, put them on his doorstep, rang the doorbell, ran away. <laughs> uh, it's almost like uh, knocking nine doors, or I don't know what you might call it, um, but it's almost like that, but a nice version. And then he comes and answers the door, and then I just told him what I'd made, and um, just kept it up from then because really I've had so much spare food on the go, you know, because I've been um, I've been working from home personally, um, but I've only been doing like an hour or so of work a day. I haven't really had that much to do, so I've just been cooking non-stop, and I've had all this extra food. Which uh, my family don't like very much because I'm staying at my mum's right now. He doesn't like a lot of spicy food or you know things with different herbs, and of course he loves it. So, um, so he's been keen to try everything that I've made, and we've just kept it up every day since. So, so yeah, it's a little sort of tradition now. What sort of dishes have you you made this week? Uh, this week, oh well, um, yesterday I made uh, Aztec soup, which is a Mexican soup. Uh, some people call it tortilla soup. Um, but it's lovely, it's got uh, tomatoes in, uh, charred corn, you get like corns on the cob, you sort of blacken them and you shape it into the soup. Um, some leftover chicken, you just shred it and put that in too. Um, some black beans, or you can use kidney beans as well. Um, and uh, some like, peppers and things in. Really nice soup, and then you put like uh, crumbly uh, Lancashire cheese on it. Normally you put uh, Oaxaca cheese, which is a Mexican cheese, but you can't really get that here. So uh, Lancashire cheese is the next best thing. Um, you'll probably have an issue with that being from Yorkshire but uh, <laughs> you know, um, cheese, and then you put uh, tortilla chips on the top it's a lovely soup um, and then along with that I made a strawberry pie because um, I've been wanting to practice my pastry because I find if I don't do pastry for a while I tend to lose my sort of knack of it so um, I made some pastry um, and I filled it with some strawberries just frozen ones you know um, but I made a lovely strawberry pie, pie with that put a nice lattice on the top um, and I find I try and impress him now and keep trying to sort of put these little touches on um, because I, I didn't really realise how much of an impact it made on him until it, it was actually the day I put the tweet out that's really what made me put it on is um, I rang him that night and told him what I was making for dinner and he said, oh, I really look forward to these calls every day you know, they really make my day and I thought, God, that's, that's really nice I haven't really thought anything of what I was doing um, but I thought, obviously, it's having a big impact on him and I thought, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to share that and tell people how much just something little can impact somebody um and uh yeah so it's 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 a nice experience for him you know because he's normally quite active you know he gets out the house and plays golf every day uh but obviously at the moment he's just having to stay in so um it's a nice sort of thing to give him you know and it's nice to know that he appreciates it and that he's you know it's, it's quite a quite a nice little treat for him you know getting five star reviews every day can't be bad either <laughs> Loved it. He thought it was fantastic. He, he loves hot food. Um, 
And really, he gets that from uh, when he served in the Navy. So he used to serve in the Navy when he was younger and um, used to travel all over the world um, and uh, used to eat all different kinds of food. And he was very knowledgeable about, about how food should be cooked, you know. Like, um, at one point I made uh, chicken escalopes with uh, green beans, just some green beans on the side. And he said, oh, I love how there's, like, a little bit of crunch left in them. Like, you must have blanched them. And I was like, how does he know that? Like, you must obviously know a few things. Um, but, uh, but he's, he's openly said so far, you know, it's, it, you know it, it's, for him, it's just cooking. He's not very used to cooking. And uh, normally he just eats out at the golf club every day, gets his lunch there, and that's pretty much him uh, sorted. So, so it's, it's, it's nice that he's so positive about it. And it's, it's a nice bit of feedback for me too. So it's, uh, it's, it's a nice little um, collaboration, I think. What, what got you into cooking what what what's what inspired you from growing up cooking um you know what I, to be honest my, my family aren't really cooks to be honest um my mum can make about four or five dishes quite well you know quite sort of like mince and dumplings things like that sort of very um you know typical northeastern food um and we're pretty much just used to have that on on rotation every week growing up so i never really had the chance to try new things really um but then when I used to go to like friends' houses when I was a teenager, like they would have things like spinach and rice and things like that, and we've never had that. Like I, I was really like excited to try other people's food, um, and I was really jealous as well. Actually, I thought, God, I wish I could live in this house and have you know spinach and um, paprika and things like that. We never had spices or herbs or anything. Um, and then it wasn't really until I went to university, and I remember I was dropped off. Because I went to university in Wales, which is quite far away from Newcastle. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I remember being dropped off on my first day, and um, I went to the supermarket on my own to get my own shopping, and I bought a jar of Nutella. And I was so excited to eat it. I went home, I well, went, went back to my dorm, and um, I literally just ate a jar of Nutella with a spoon. And I thought it was so fantastic, because we never had nuts growing up either. No one liked nuts. Um, but I was, oh, I've absolutely loved it. It was so nice. And just from then, I just started trying things out, just different foods. And I think just off the back of being really greedy and liking to eat, I think I've just had to teach myself how to cook, to be honest, <laughs> just to satisfy the, uh, you know, the need and, and so on. Um, so after I finished university, I sort of you know, jumped around different jobs. Um, I lived abroad for a while. And uh, that sort of let us try out different foods and see how other people ate. And um, I did a lot of traveling as well when I got my first sort of proper job which was uh, in the ambulance service in Newcastle. Um, and uh, I used to just go away as much as possible. I threw all my money at that. Um, I used to go away and just eat. Um, and I'd often go by myself as well. So it was, you know, a nice way to push myself. And um, yeah, ate some, ate some really lovely meals, really nice food. Learned an awful lot of stuff. I think I probably learned more about food in those years, uh, which is across sort of four or five years than I think I ever have. Um, and I'm glad I spent the money on travelling instead of saving it. I know a lot of people tell you that. <laughs> but I, I definitely got a lot of um, uh, experience from that, definitely. And uh, that's what inspired us to try recipes out at home and to start cooking at home, really. Because obviously all, all this experience led you to appearing on MasterChef, which obviously people have sort of probably know you best for at the moment. Um, how That went, that was about a couple of years ago now, was it? It was, yes. I think it was about two it really doesn't i was i was trying to work it out in my head what series you were on and i was thinking it was about five but then i realized it must only be about two years ago it was 2018 yeah yeah um yeah God, it went so fast um but uh 
Yeah, it's, it's funny how all that happened. It kind of just happened. It happened very quickly because I remember I applied for MasterChef on a whim because I'd actually applied for the um, Great British Bake Off. That's the, the one I really wanted to do. Because um, I used to love bacon and so on. That was like my thing. Um, and then uh, I applied for Bake Off and I all, very almost got on that year. Um, I got like to the last sort of um, group of people and I, was, I didn't get picked. And I thought, oh, well, I don't want to. I, I was. I don't want to wait another year to apply again. Is there any other shows I can apply for? You know. So um, somebody suggested MasterChef, and I'd actually never watched it before. I'd never even an episode of it before, so I didn't know how it worked. So um, uh, I remember one night I was sat in bed and I just filled out the application form, and I sort of skipped a few pages ahead to sort of see what questions it was asking. And um, I'd accidentally submitted the form. <laughs> loads of things blank, and I thought, oh crap, I thought, well, that's over. <laughs> um, and then, strangely, it wasn't until about two months later, somebody rang, it was a, a, a producer of the show, saying, oh, they got my application, but they noticed that half of it was missing. <laughs> um, and they asked me over the phone just to fill some bits out. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just sort of get, you know, answer them verbally, which I did. And then, um, Call back after that and said, "Oh, I'd like to invite you to an audition," which was in Glasgow, which is a bit, bit of a sort of stretch. But they said that was the last sort of uh, spot they had left. So, um, so I went to Glasgow for the day, uh, which was nice. Um, I had something called a macaroni pie. You ever had a macaroni pie? Before? No, but it sounds delightful because I love macaroni. Basically, it's like a hot water crust, like, like a pork pie, but instead of the pork in it, it's got uh, macaroni cheese. That sounds like heaven. Really nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a proper Scottish thing. It's lovely. Um, so I had one of those, and then um, yeah, and then I remember I, I'd seen the, um, the advert for Great British Bake Off. This is like a month after the audition. Um, I saw the advert and I thought, oh, I wonder what would happen if I'd gotten to Bake Off. And then the the minute I thought that, the phone rang and it was MasterChef and they said, oh, um, would like to be on the show. You, you start in a month's time. And I thought, oh my god. <laughs> um, so I, I said, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to. I remember it was a Friday. I said, oh, can I have the weekend to think about it, really? Because I thought, do I really want to do this? Um, I still hadn't watched the show. Um, and I thought, I'll have a weekend. Really, I went to my boss and I was needing to figure out how I could, you know, work this out. Because um, the way they filmed it is we had a, a few days here and there where I'd go down to London and then I'd sort of have like a few weeks break and then go down and do the next bit. So, um, so I had to sort of negotiate with my boss and they were all really happy about it. They were like, yeah, yeah, we'll sort of move your shifts around and so on. Um, so I was still doing the same hours, but I was having sort of like certain days off. So they were, they were really helpful and they kept it very discreet and so on because it had to be. Um, and then I decided to do it. Ran back and said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. You know, there's the title of that or just carry on, you know, just working in my job. Um, so I thought I'd take a chance in it. Um, and I remember I went down on my first uh, day there, I think I was there for like two or three days, and they filmed the same sort of round over a few days, so you often have to wear the same clothes <laughs> two days in a row, same socks and everything. I remember there was, they had to uh, postpone the film in one day because somebody wore a different pair of socks. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're very serious about it, and the, the guy even said, he was like, oh, well, I can just take them off if you want, and they said, no, no need to have the same socks on because like any little details apparently people pick up on it and they're like complain and all kinds so um <laughs> yeah so it was a bit bizarre but it's interesting to see how all that kind of stuff works you know a lot of the sort of behind the scenes stuff it was interesting to see that um but the first day i remember um were, went in i still hadn't really seen the show i think i'd watched one episode 
to kind of see how it works. And I kept getting the judges' names mixed up. I kept getting John and Greg mixed up. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, the first challenge was a, a market challenge. So they basically said, you've got a big pantry here. Uh, you have to go in and just make any sort of dish within an hour. So um, I remember I looked at this red pepper. There was a red pepper in the basket and really shiny and nice. And I thought, I'm going to do something with that. I just sort of fixated on it and I couldn't think of anything else. I thought, I'm going to have to do something with this red pepper. So I made um, a, a dip called Mahamara, which is um, it's a Syrian dip. And it's basically uh, charred red peppers. And then it's got uh, pomegranate, normally pomegranate molasses. But I think I used um, black treacle because that was the, the next thing that had to pomegranate molasses, the, the closest thing. Um, and it's got like walnuts in, uh, chili and so on. It's really nice and fiery, really nice. So I made that. And then um, the judges kind of come round and sort of comment on what you're doing. And uh, I remember John Terwood said, oh, is it just bread and dip that you make? And I thought, oh, crap, I better do something else as well. So I just made this really quick salad. It was a fried uh, fried tomato salad. Um, and uh, I put some, like, preserved lemons in, mint and so on. And, um, and then the, did the judging. So there was eight of us there. And we all stood at the back of the room. So all that stuff, just like it is on TV, everyone stood there watching. Um, everyone's dishes get uh, slated pretty much <laughs> and, and uh, the, 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 the critique actually goes on a lot longer than it does on the show like you stood there for about we were stood there for, it must have been two hours wow um, as long as that yeah and they really talk at length they, they really sort of critique the dishes for about 10 minutes so uh, on the show it's usually just like 20-30 seconds um, but in real life they're like the same they're literally criticising everything about the dish and then obviously that all gets condensed down. So you have to have really, really strong skin to um, <laughs> to take it all. Because uh, yeah, sometimes they really sort of dig in, um, and it's it, it can be quite sort of it, it was really exhausting, really exhausting. Um, I, what I did like though was the bits where you have to sit in the little waiting room area. So you might know there's like a little room with couches yeah. where they film a lot of shots in there. Now that's my favourite room because all those little drawers and cupboards in there are actually stuffed full of snacks. Oh, what? <laughs> you see it on the TV, but there's like loads of pictures of, uh, loads of like bags of crisps and things. Um, there's lots of, uh, there's even a fridge with bottles of wine in. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think I ever drank any wine when I was there, but uh, they just have all these snacks and biscuits and stuff. And uh, we'd often just sit and wait while they did the judging. Uh, sometimes we'd be there for a few hours. Um, and we used to just fill our faces with different snacks and um, they'd come and do the sort of pan and shots where they sweep along with the camera and uh, most of us actually had you know cans of pop between our legs bags of crisps under our arms or hiding them out of shot um, so, so yeah there's a lot of different behind the scenes things which um, are, are quite interesting I was even told by the cameraman apparently there's a, a cursed plate so um, before we decide to make our dish, we actually get to go into a room and select what plates that we want to use. And um, <laughs> the cameraman used to say there's one plate in particular that's cursed, and everyone who selects that plate ends up getting knocked out. They wouldn't tell us which one it was, but um, but yeah, it made, made us very nervous, actually. We're thinking, oh God, don't want to get the, the wrong plate. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing how all that's filmed, really. It's, it's like a whole new world, really. It's interesting. Really long, really long days then filming, I'm sure, as well. Oh, God, yeah. Some days were, like, almost 10 hours nearly, and you were up really early as well. Sometimes I have to get up at, like, 5, 5 a.m. And um, often I would get the train down from to London from Newcastle uh, uh, the night before. 
and I think every train I'd ever taken was delayed, something had went wrong. Uh, there was one train I'd taken and I think we'd stopped at Darlington, which is really just about, um, I think, half an hour from Newcastle. We'd stopped outside of there because there was some sort of accident and we were there for about three or four hours. <laughs> Couldn't get off the train. Uh, we were just on the middle of the track. I remember some poor woman had a dog and just the dog just weighed in the middle of the carriage. <laughs> um, and uh, I think was, the train had sort of moved on and then we got to Peterborough and then we got stuck again for like three hours. So I didn't get into London till about three in the morning and I had to be up at five. Oh, God. Filming, so it's like, yeah, so uh, a, little, a little bit tight. Just a, um, just a bit. Stressful and having to work as well, of course. That was uh, quite stressful. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I managed it, but I remember when I was uh, knocked out, I was, I was really quite relieved. I was honestly, I was so tired at that point. Um, and some of the other contestants as well, I could see that they were really starting to get quite exhausted, you know, because a lot of them were having to go home and just pretend everything was the same, you know, yeah. and tell their friends and family. Um, so it's just having, and they had to go to work and just as if it was. You know, just a normal day. So um, it, it is hard. It does take its toll on you. And I can only, I couldn't imagine people who got to the final and so on. That must have been really tiring to get to get to that point. You know, and have to keep it under wraps. Must be quite, um, must be quite so quite taxing. I think on your on your energy. Well, I certainly can have you on. And as I already mentioned, speaking to you before this. Obviously, you, you sort of made a bit of a name for yourself on there by making a chicken parmo, and I think that that kind of went a bit viral at the time, didn't it? What, how, what, what was John and Greg's reaction to you making a parmo? Oh god, that that was crazy. To be honest, um, well, what had happened before that episode is we got uh, an email the week before saying, "Oh, um, you're going to do a menu of like two dishes, and um, it can be either a starter and a main, or a main and a dessert." Now, I love dessert, so I thought I'm going to go for the dessert option, um, and uh, I, I thought. There wasn't any particular theme had to go for. I thought I'd love to do like the northeast menu because I've always been really passionate about uh, food in the northeast, and I do think it's you know particularly food up north. I do think it's got its own sort of cult following, and I do think you know a lot of popular British dishes do originate in the north. So it's it's good to sort of champion it. And um, I, I thought I'll do a northeast menu, and I thought really the first thing that popped to mind. I thought no one's really heard of a chip. Armour before, but if you go to the likes of Middlesbrough or, or anywhere on Teesside, um, everyone raves about it. It's, it's like, it's just, it's it's an icon. Um, and uh, I've worked with people um, uh, from Teesside at the ambulance service, so that's really how I got to know about it. And um, I thought, you know what, I'd love to do a parmo. It's just, it just, it's just a bit of fun, you know, I thought I'll, I'll do that. And um, I made some uh, Newcastle brown ale chocolate fondants, because everyone seems to do fondants on Masterchef. So I did a, a brown ale one, and um, the parmo when I did it, to be honest, I, I think because I hadn't really watched the show before, I didn't know what sort of food I was meant to be making, <laughs> and I think if you look at my presentation on the show, you can definitely tell that I didn't really know what I was doing, um, so the, the way I presented it, it was awful, I'd run out of time by the end, so I literally just had to throw it on the plate, it was an absolute mess. Oh. No. Greg loved it as well. They, they thought it was hideous, and they even openly said they're like, "Oh, I don't like the idea of this. It sounds a bit, uh, sounds a bit messy." Um, but uh, yeah, they, they loved it. Now it was quite confusing to me as well because uh, we never actually got the the, um, the critique for that one. We just had to sit in a room 
and then we got called back to say whether we got through or not. So I never heard any sort of comments about what they thought about the food, you know. Um, so when there were other guys making, you know, um, you know, different kinds of book and fez and things like that, uh, they were out and I was like, hell, did I get through with the chicken pork? <laughs> I think I've seen them in the old kebab van on a Saturday night. Yeah, they serve them out and about. But sometimes you look, you do. I know a lot of people. There's, there's. I can't even think of the name of it of where you can go. But a lot of people always say you can get a good one from a certain takeaway, and I'm, and I always forget which one it is. But, uh, but they are very tasty. So this last year you went back uh, as a judge, how was that? Mauritian food it looks really really nice 
and um, I got chatting with them a little bit and then uh, they started bringing in the dishes. So we got to meet the contestants a little bit, we got to sort of chat with them for a little bit and then they sort of describe what they made and then they'd leave the room. Uh, they didn't get any of the sort of critique that we'd made, but um, we sat there for a good sort of 10 minutes, really sort of tasting the food, uh, making different points about it. Um, I did make the mistake of eating the whole food, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first plate of food I got, but it was so good. I remember it was um, it was Claire who, who ended up going quite far. I think she got to the final. Yeah, she did. Um, yeah, she was fantastic. So she was the first girl who brought her food in. And I remember it was so good, I just ate the whole thing. And uh, Shalina sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, I wouldn't advise eating all of the food because you'll get really, really full. So, so, like, <laughs> good point. So, um, so, yeah, so from then I just had to have like, a couple of mouthfuls, which was torture because I thought, oh, this food is so nice. Um, and I hate wasting food, you know, so, um, <laughs> so it's quite, quite a good exercise for us. But um, it, it was nice. It was a nice day out, and it was nice to go back and be in the sort of that studio again you know and see some of the staff most of the same ones were still there um and it was just nice to kind of go back after everything that happened you know because um the show has totally you know changed my life you know i think i don't know what i would be doing if it wasn't for the show now i'd probably still be at the ambulance service but um you know really that was the kind of thing that pushed us into going more into food um because i always i always really wanted to go into food but i just didn't really know what capacity you know because being a chef it's not really my kind of thing you know I didn't I didn't think I'd like to be a chef um and uh, I didn't really fancy being a food writer or something you know but um but yeah those things have just kind of fell into place since the show and um you know I've, I've got a job now in which I teach cooking to people and I absolutely love it it's like my dream job so it's it's, it's just nice how that sort of came to be you know yeah so tell us about that what what's so is it a bit of a cookery school that you run is it to what what is it that it in entails well basically it's um it's a non-profit cookery school i work at so it's a leeds cookery school which is based in um in like towards east leeds um and it's in a gibson fire station which is an old fire station that's been repurposed and it's had loads of funding put into it um and uh, it's a beautiful place as well the um the cookery school is actually in an old uh, fire station bay so you can actually see the tracks on the floor where the fire engines once were. <laughs> uh, but it's a lovely modern kitchen. It's really light as well. Like in the summer, it's really lovely because all the sunlight comes in. It's beautiful. And um, we do classes in there. And all our profits go to a charity called Zest, who pretty much run the cookery school. Um, and they provide different projects, um, you know, in terms of like men's health. Uh, and really they help to tra- sort of tackle social isolation. So they do projects which get people out of the house, get people out of the flats. Um, have a big uh, project in tower blocks because they find tower blocks people tend to be very isolated so um, they do all these different projects and um, one project that they do do which is really interesting is a uh, ministry of food which is uh, which was Jamie Oliver's sort of yeah. um, flagship uh, project um, in 2008 I believe and um, the first one was in Rotherham which I think has since closed down but there are uh, Ministry of Foods all over the country which are run by you know different charities um, and uh, so we run Ministry of Food in Leeds and it's based in the market in Leeds Kirkgate Market yeah so um, I, I teach in Leeds Cookery School and I also deliver that uh, that course as well which is a, an eight-week course um, in Kirkgate Market and we teach different Jamie Oliver recipes um, and it's subsidised by the council as well, so it's actually very cheap classes. They're only about two pounds a class, um, and all your ingredients are included. Um, all the sort of I think all you have to bring.
spring really is just a container uh, to bring your food home so uh, you come along for an eight-week course and it's really costs about 16 pound in total which i think is fab um and we do get lots of people come in from the local community um and learn to cook they'll bring the friends bring the family and um it's, it's just really nice you know it's 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 a nice social atmosphere as well which um i didn't expect actually with the job you know i was kind of uh, thinking it was more about uh, people coming to learn to cook really but so much i think people are more often coming to just just be around other people just to get out of the house and you know you don't have many community centers nowadays people don't have an opportunity to blend with people that way so um it, it's nice to give people that and i think food is just the thing which facilitates the whole experience you know just making something together it uh, could be anything really but um, it's just nice people being in a room and meeting new people um it's, oh, it's fantastic i really love it it's amazing what it can do for people um and uh you know it's i've been in the job for about over a year now and uh, I, I do feel really settled in it you know i think i can do that for quite a long time i bet this is something that you were probably only dreaming about a couple of years ago then yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, when I worked in the ambulance service, I used to. Um, I was always sort of looking up food and you know wondering what I was going to make next. Uh, I used to have a. Well, in in the control room I worked in, we used to have a screen where we took the emergency calls and we'd have another screen which was just like information to get addresses and so on. And uh, between calls, we'd often you know go on the internet and look at different things. I used to, I used to read food blogs, so I'd go on and look at different recipes. And then I'd write a little shopping list and think, right, on the way home, I'm going to get this, this and that, and I'm going to get making that as soon as I get home. So I'd rush home, I'd make, you know, different things, I'd bring some of the stuff into the ambulance station to give out to everybody to test. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was that was really my life for quite a long time. It was nice because I got to cook an awful lot. Um, not all of it was great, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I learned a lot from making mistakes and, um yeah, and I used to do uh, like video tutorials on uh, Instagram, so I often used to video things I'd make um, and sort of share different recipes and things. And um, I used to think even then, I was like, God, I'd love to do this as a job, you know, because I used to do it so much. Um, and I put so much time into it as well. That was like my main hobby outside of work. Um, and I thought, I'd love to do this as a job, you know, maybe I should try YouTube. But uh, YouTube is a nightmare because you have to edit everything and cut it and paste it, and I'm not good for things like that. You know, it's, I'd rather just be in and out. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to sort of be hanging around too much. So, um, so yeah, but so it's nice that I can actually, in a way, get to demonstrate recipes and get to show people how to cook, um, which which is lovely. You know, I, I can't believe it's kind of materialising this way, which is really nice. Uh, and what's Obviously, you enjoy cooking, but where? What do you like to eat most? What's What's your ideal plate of food? Oh, my ideal plate of food. Um, well, people often ask us to say, "What's your sort of death row meal?" So, if you're on death row and you had to request one last meal, what would you ask for? A lot of people say something really ridiculous because then apparently, um, I think there's some prisons in the world that actually do this. I think some people say they want like some kind of rare oysters, so it kind of buys them more time <laughs> uh, before they get electrocuted or something. But um, I think if last meal, what would I have? I think for a starter, I would have a pasta. And this is probably a bit like, ooh, you might not be thinking this, but um, uh, a tuna mayonnaise pasta. Now, it sounds a bit like, you know, meh, but uh, that was the first thing I ever learned how to make. And my sister used to make it. And uh, she used to put, like, chopped red onions in and um, a tuna, a bit of mustard as well. 
uh, sweet corn, mayonnaise, and I just loved it so much. And that was the first thing I really learned how to make, for, you know, for myself. Um, and I, I just love it. It's a nice comfort dish. I love it. Um, so I'd probably have that for a starter. <laughs> and then my main, what would I have for my main? Um, something, oh, something meaty, I think, definitely. Um, I think maybe some pulled pork or some pulled chicken. There's a recipe oh, yes. um, have which is um, a gammon joint, which is cooked in uh, Dr. Pepper, which is really nice because you get like this nice almondy sort of cherry flavour, which, oh, it's fantastic, especially with pork. It's really, really nice. Um, and uh, there's another one which I like, which is a gammon joint, and you cook it in iron brew. <laughs> that one's really good. And then what you do is you rub it with um, stem ginger on the top and then you roast it so it gets really sort of sticky and crusty. Um, and then you pour whiskey over the top and set it on fire. So I call it firecracker ham. It's really good. Um, so something like that maybe just with some nice sort of white bread rolls, uh, maybe some pickles. Um, I love pickles, anything sour. Um, I like uh, pickled watermelon rind. I don't know if you've heard of them before. I've, I've heard of it, but it's not something that I've I've managed to try yet. Yeah, oh, it's nice. It's um, it's, it's something which people just throw away. They don't often uh, use it very much. But if you um, you, you basically just get the skins, and I think you can peel off the green bit and just keep the white sort of chunky bit. Um, but you can pickle those, and they make really good crunchy pickles. Um, and I love them in any, anything meaty, so like pulled pork, something like that. It's a lovely sandwich. Uh, oh, lovely, crispy, crunchy. Um, so I'll probably have something like that. And then for dessert, ooh, my favourite dessert ever is something called uh, Tres Leches. Have you heard of that before? No, I haven't. Tres Leches. Oh, so nice. It's um, it's my favourite dessert ever. And it's, it's, it's a Mexican, it's, it's South American, but it's, uh, it's from Mexico. And it's basically a cake. It's a fatless sponge. But then you soak it in three milks. Where it gets the name Tres Leches means three milks. Um, you soak it in a mixture of uh, double cream, uh, evaporated milk, and then condensed milk, which I love all three of those. Um, and you can put like a splash of rum in or something like that, um, or some vanilla extract or something. And you pour that over the cake and you let it soak for about, about 24 hours. And it sort of swells, but it goes really soft and kind of like custardy. It's really, really good. I love it. Um, and you put whipped cream on the top, and uh, normally you put like cocktail cherries on because it's uh, traditionally it's a birthday cake. So um, oh, I love it so much, and you keep it in the fridge. It's nice and chilled, and um, I like it in the summer when it's really hot. And um, you know, which I think summers nowadays tend to be quite hot in this country. But um, but yeah, I love a slice of it from the fridge at night time when it's a bit hot. Uh, oh, it's heaven. So yeah, that'll be my perfect meal. <laughs> Sound very full afterwards. I mean, yeah, I, I could have had you. Would you have a, a particular tipple as well to go with it? Oh, a tipple. Ooh. My favourite drink would be. There's three drinks I like. Oh, which one can I pick? My favourite one's a caipirinha. You had a caipirinha before? No, what's that? Oh, it's nice. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a Brazilian drink and um, it's made. It's, it's quite simple to make, actually. It's just you need to get this special liqueur called cachaça. It's basically just like a kind of rum. It's like a clear rum. Yeah. I suppose you could use any white rum, really. Um, but this drink, uh, Las Iguanas, you know the restaurant Las Iguanas, yeah. they sell they sell cachaça, they sell big bottles of it to make their own, um, and you use it to make this drink. So it's basically a shot of cachaça, you put um, a couple of teaspoons of sugar in it, and then you uh, squeeze over like two or three limes, and then you fill the glass with uh, crushed ice, and then what happens is the ice kind of melts, 
um, it melts really slowly, so the drink just keeps regenerating itself, and it's so strong that um, you, you sort of drink it over like the space of half an hour. Now, I tend to drink things really, really quick. Um, <laughs> Same here, to be fair. It just seems to last for ages. I love it. Um, and I do quite like a porn star martini. I know it's a little bit, you know, a bit, a bit sort of uh, done now. You're a typical northerner, though. You you like you like getting your money's worth. You get a shot and you get a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing with a porn star martini, you get that little shot of um, it's a prosecco you get. With yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Well, I've always wondered this. I've always thought, why why do you get this? Because it it you you sort of have a sip of the cocktail and you think that doesn't need to go in there, really, does it? So you just well. I mean, yeah. personally speaking, anyway, it's... Uh, uh, I've tried shot on it in, but you can't really taste any difference. No. No, there's not enough there to add anything, really, so I, I just decide that it's a, it's a nice shot of Prosecco, try and look classy for ten seconds, yeah. and then you... <laughs> <laughs> bonus extra. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's really nice, actually, just forgot about it, um, I had it in the album, Alchemist, I keep getting the mix of alchemist, botanist, one of those. One of them. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's the drink which they did. It was limited edition and it came with a free hip flask, which I actually left in the bar when I ordered it and I was really good about oh, it. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I think the drink cost us about £20 as well because of the hip flask and I ended up leaving it there. Um, but the, the drink was called an aviator um, and it was kind of like a martini, but it was made with a violet flavoured gin. Yeah. It has like a really nice colour to it. It's almost like a pinky, lilac-y yeah. uh, sort of reflex to it. It's so beautiful. Um, and it had uh, lemon juice in and I think vodka. Quite strong. Um, and uh, the whole drink has this really nice colour. It's supposed to look like, um, uh, like you know, when you're in a plane and you sort of see the horizon, the sky's got yeah. that sort of blue, that deep blue colour. Um, and the drink looks like that. It's really, really pretty. I, I do love that drink. It, and it tastes good as well, so <laughs> that's nice. Oh, all sounds delightful. It's making me want to go out, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I know that's not allowed at the moment. It's, uh... Yeah, same. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really one for drinking in the house either, so I haven't really had a proper drink in about a month or so, you know. Um, yeah, so it'd be nice when pubs are open and things, you can get out again and... Really look forward to doing that, you know. And uh, just socialise, I think, uh, more than anything properly. Exactly. I feel like if I went to a beer garden now, I would just hug everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that long have had contact with other people, it's just like, oh, I just want to just hug every, everybody, like I say, you know. It, yeah. It's just that sort of feeling, isn't it, where you, you just, that, that feeling sort of feels non-existent at the minute, but... Uh, yeah. Um, God, another person, it's like, you know, I mean, I've, I've been going out walking every day. I've sort of really to sort of help us keep the weight off. I've had to sort of go for a walk for at least an hour every day. That's me rule. And um, I see people out walking. I'm just like, oh, another person. Like, hello. Like, stand, talk, please. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, because, I mean, when, when you're lock, in lockdown with, you know, your family and stuff, it's the same people, same conversations normally. So it's, you know, it'd be nice to have a conversation with somebody else. It's a bit like this, you know. Yeah. This is like a, a massive novelty. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just, just finally to, to wrap things up, but what advice would you give to people who are, because I'm sure there'll be people applying to MasterChef at the minute, what advice would you give to them right now? Well, first things first, I'd recommend you actually watch the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll, you'll probably get a few points as how you should do things. 
Well, seeing that, not not watching the show, I guess has kind of given me a little bit of a help, you know. I guess maybe if I had watched it, I might have done some really sort of textbook dishes, you know, um, which which isn't very me at all. But um, yeah, you know, I think my advice would be don't watch the show. Uh, <laughs> maybe you know it might just sort of help you be a bit more sort of inventive, you know. Um, but uh, definitely be prepared for the restaurant part. I certainly wasn't. Uh, I didn't think I was going to get to that point, and then uh, <laughs> woke up one day, wasn't sure what we were going to be filming, and I was told, get in the taxi, you're going to a, a restaurant in Mayfair. And I thought, Jesus. And, and I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I was even honest on the show, I, I didn't enjoy the experience at all. I didn't enjoy the restaurant kitchen. Um, I just didn't really know what I was doing, and I just, you know, was, yeah, I just, I, I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't thrive in that environment, you know. Um, but I would definitely recommend people to get some practice and to just prepare themselves for it because I didn't know that bit was coming. <laughs> um, and that was a big shock waking up that day. And it was five in the morning. I hadn't had a coffee. Um, yeah, so it was uh, <laughs> uh, definitely be prepared for that part. But um, definitely swim in your own style, you know. Definitely sort of learn some new dishes because uh, there are people who go into MasterChef and even just as somebody who watches it, there are a lot of people who... Um, you know, make the same sort of dishes, you know, like things like, you know, scallops with, you know, squash and parma ham, like everyone's done that, you know, just something a bit different, something that really talks about you. It, it doesn't even have to be your dish, it could be something you had in a restaurant once that was really nice or something that you had at a wedding that was really significant to you. Um, I think things like that, you'll often put more care to attention, you know, in it. And I, th- I think it'll come across better when you um if you if there's, if there's a bit of a story if it's a bit of a meaning to you i think you, you'll care about it a lot more and make it extra delicious that's all i can recommend <laughs> <laughs> anthony it's been an absolute pleasure ch- talking to you today likewise yeah it's nice to chat to someone else <laughs> <laughs>